What up, y'all? Zavidi checking in for Stoked Communication episode number three with Evan Transu. Evan is a good friend of mine through my personal growth networks and is a motivational speaker. In this episode, we get deep into Evan's journey with mental health and anxiety and how he turned a lot of those challenges into gold that he now utilizes to his benefit to serve others in the school system as a motivational speaker. Really beautiful information here, and I highly recommend that you guys take to heart Evan's call to action. That if you are struggling with mental health, do not take a day more to not ask for help. Seek help, reach out, and find somebody who can support you. Now, this episode is not meant to be a replacement for medical advice from a skilled professional. So if you are struggling with mental health disorders, please reach out to a skilled practitioner or a licensed psychotherapist who can assist you through that process, who has a background in supporting those mental health disorders. Now, with that said, I couldn't be more stoked to dive into this podcast. So I invite you guys to sit back, wax up your board, soak in those rays, and join me in riding a frothy wave of stoke to your personal destiny. Peace. What up, Stoker? Zavidi checking in for the Stoked Podcast here with my good friend and colleague, Evan Transu. Uh, Evan is a uh, friend through the realm of business coaching and personal growth that I found myself in, and we share a lot of mutual friends in common, uh, including my mentor, Graham Lickner. And Evan has worked with some of my close friends and just a cool all-around dude that I've had the pleasure to connect with. And uh, Evan, before I uh, invite you to start sharing on your incredible journey here, just going to introduce a bit of your background for the listeners. So Evan dealt with severe mental health issues from the age of five until 18. Due to an unintentional lack of recognition of these problems, Evan did not receive proper uh, treatment here until he was 18 years old. After getting kicked out of school, sent to juvie, and spending his 18th birthday on house arrest, Evan had his aha moment that led him to realize he needed to change his path. After finally getting his mental health issues addressed, he knew what he had to do, share his stories with others who were suffering so they never had to go through what he did. Now, in the present moment, we find Evan traveling around the country, speaking speaking to middle school and high school students, as well as incoming college freshmen. Using his lived experiences, he connects with audiences to encourage them to both recognize and speak up about the mental health challenges they may be facing in silence. While Evan is aware that we might not be able to stop mental health issues overall, he does believe that we do not need to live in a world where young people find themselves in crisis situations. And of course, you can find more about Evan in the show notes linked to his Instagram, his website, his Facebook, and more. So cool. Evan, welcome to the podcast, brother. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me. We just did this on the opposite end recently. I do kind of a health podcast. So we had Zavi on and it's it's so cool and it makes it so authentic when you know someone through the grapevine and you have like these little hints or teasers of what they're about, but you don't really know their story and you're interested in it. So I, I love that we were able to reciprocate this and now do it on the opposite end. I had a great time with you before. I'm sure this will be great too. Yeah. Well, brother, I had a blast the other day. It was really, really fun diving in. Uh, you asked some great questions, and so I hope I hope to uh, return the favor here today, as it were. 
Now, uh, with these mental health issues, brother, I know that mental health is something that uh, young men struggle with a lot, certainly something that I went uh, through ups and downs with in my personal journey as uh, a young kid and adolescent. Uh, why don't you share with the listeners some of the background of that journey uh, and some of the struggles that came up for you around that age? Sure. So I always like to say that I started out with a really normal life. And this is relevant for people out there that have experienced either someone in their life dealing with mental health issues, or if they've dealt with mental health issues themselves, because there's almost two categories. And this is not clinical. This is categories that I've kind of just noticed over the years. And one is non circumstantial mental health issues. And the other is circumstantial mental health issues. So let's go with the circumstantial first, because that's not what I'm talking about. Actually, circumstantial means that you had a circumstance or series of circumstances that led to mental health issues. And we don't need to get into details. I'm sure you, people can use their imagination. We are talking about things like trauma, whether physical, sexual, emotional, and yeah, it makes a lot of sense that those types of traumas could lead to mental health issues. It's it, anyone can connect that basically, even the lay person who's never experienced these things. But now in today's world, and I think this has probably started over the last 30, 40 years in particular, we're seeing this different category of the non-circumstantial mental health issues. And this, I believe, is deeply and greatly correlated to the physical health epidemic that we're seeing, the rates of chronic disease flying through the roof, rates of cancer in children rising but only in developed countries, those types of things. I think the mental health issues in the non-circumstantial category fall right into that as well. And that's where I found myself. I grew up, and I'm not trying to sound like some spoiled kid, I'm just... A, I put my cards on the table, man. I'm very transparent about things. I grew up in a great area. I had a blessed life, uh, not rich by any means, but certainly I would call it higher end of middle class, even upper middle class. And I had everything that I needed. I had great friends, good family members. Now, I always joke too, I sucked at sports and talking to people. You did not want to see me throw a football, dribble a basketball, or try to do any type of speaking like I do now. However, it was as if the, the juice from those parts of my brain got kind of traded off and dumped into the academics. And so that was the one thing I was really good at. And I was a straight A student. I was recommended for the school district's gifted program and even actually had some of the highest grades in the state of Pennsylvania on different state standardized tests. Now, again, I really can't stress enough because I know this for some people, this is the first four minutes they're ever hearing me. I'm not saying that to try to brag. I mean, please listen. I'm also saying all the things I'm not great at. The relevance of those academic achievements is because we all know a kid or kids like that in that age range, that five to 10, 11 year old range. And we know logically where they should be at 18. They should be doing great things. They should be able to go to any college they want. And yet, as Zavi already shared, I mean, I found myself on house arrest on my 18th birthday and I never graduated high school. So as we'll talk about today, somewhere between five and that, a lot of things went wrong and how it started is panic attacks or were with panic attacks. I did not know what these were. If um, the audience doesn't know what they are, I'll give a brief explanation because I hear a lot of the times what it's not a competition, right? Guys with mental health, but I, I do hear inaccuracies often where people are describing what would be actually generalized anxiety disorder or even stress, and they're calling it a panic attack. And that's not the same thing. A panic attack clinically is a sensation that is usually only gonna last about 10 to 15 minutes. And so that's how I also know people are kind of being inaccurate. They'll be like, I had a panic attack all day yesterday. Well, that's that's really not going to happen. Um, about 10 to 15 minutes typically, can be a little longer, can be a little shorter. Extremely 
intense. I mean, imagine the most profound adrenaline rush of your life. And that's what's going on. And that fight or flight response is happening, which is intended to do what? Fight or flight to run. But there's nothing to fight. It's in your head. It's in your body. And so for many of us, they might even tense up because now they're saying fight, flight, or freeze. And I, I very much believe in that uh, third option as well. But I would choose flight. And for me, what that would look like is like getting up from wherever I was at and just sprinting as fast as I could, running around. I needed to get this energy out because that was the only way I found even the slightest bit of relief. And so the first panic attack I recall having and that my parents recall me having were um, ones on the school bus coming home from like first grade. And I would be on the bus and I would have this tightening in my chest, all symptoms I'm about to say of actual panic attacks, like textbook, tightening of my chest and throat. It would feel like I couldn't swallow and it would feel like um, I couldn't breathe. And so I would start hyperventilating and breathing really fast. That's just what hyperventilation is for those that don't know. Breathing super fast, trying to catch up. And no matter how fast I did that though, it was like I couldn't catch my breath. And the best way I can relay this and make people understand it is if you've ever been to the beach or you've been to a water park or the pool and you get stuck under the water, maybe you tried to swim under something, you're under a raft for just a second longer than you were intending to be. And all of a sudden, bam, you get that rush. I need to get back above the surface right now. It's that feeling, except it's not gonna go away for 10 or 15 minutes. You can't get back above the surface. And so it is really scary. Now my parents got this really long driveway when I was a kid, it was about 700 feet. And so I got off the bus and I remember that's when my flight would come out. I would sprint as fast as I could as soon as that bus was out of sight because I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of the other kids. And I'd come screaming in the house. Mom was home at that time always. My dad uh, would work pretty uh, long days as a landscaper. And I'd always tell my mom, I can't breathe. My heart hurts. Like I thought I was having a heart attack because I heard that term as a kid. That's what was happening at five. We end up going to a doctor because this wasn't happening every day, just to be clear. And in fact, there was times where it didn't happen for months, but it was still concerning to see a child like that, I would imagine. And I was concerned. My parents take me to a doctor and this guy, well-meaning dude, he just didn't see what was going on. And he said, this is not something to get too worried about. Ev just gets himself a little too worked up and he's going to outgrow this. Although that guy meant well, those words and those statements were absolutely, it's impossible to deny this, a, a foundation for everything that would happen uh, negatively for the rest of my life because I felt very invalidated and I didn't forget that he said that. I went the rest of my life every single time that these things got worse and worse thinking, oh, I'm going to outgrow it. I'm going to outgrow it. And then when I didn't outgrow it, my head went to, well, the doctor couldn't figure it out. I must have something wrong with me. I must be crazy because a doctor doesn't know. So there must be something really wrong with me. So I know that's a long-winded answer, but I hope that gives appropriate context for the rest of the interview. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that, Ev. I appreciate it. And <clears throat> what you bring up is uh, a challenge with a conventional paradigm of mental health which uh, having dated a girl in high school who struggled with some severe mental health issues and my sister being bipolar and borderline, uh, mental health is typically uh, a, a state by which a conventional paradigm would want to suppress symptoms and never explore the root cause. Now, I know that in your own journey, you've explored the root cause quite a bit and you find yourself uh, in a position today of uh, what I project to be greater mental health and ease balance, right? Um, so, 
the emotion you mentioned that I thought was really interesting was feeling invalidated. And you said, well, there must be something wrong with me. I'm curious, did that at any point lead to a transition of, well, I must be the one to figure this out. Um, I'm curious how that, that led to uh, some of the challenges beyond five um, early teens. Uh, yeah, we're, we'd be jumping way ahead to actually after even the resolution because that you're it's very interesting that you could think that far ahead with it because that thought did happen. That's what saved my life. Basically, that thought process. There's a few things that I always contribute to being savers of my life, but that was one of them. Um, it's a little bit down the road. So I'll kind of rewind and just say, yeah, as the years went by, I knew something must be wrong, but I didn't feel like I could talk to people anymore. And that's where these other things started coming up. I remember actually one of my uh, things that I always share in schools to really help kids not go online and try to figure out these issues and play doctor by themselves. I went online and I took a test and I took mental health test. Like it was just, I looked up mental health test. I'm sorry. And I got three results from that thing. And the third one is why I absolutely believe this stuff can't be limited to an online questionnaire. Now, I don't want to go fully into that story because I know that wasn't your direct question. Is this okay to follow this path? Most definitely go for it. Okay. Cool. So now I'm fast forwarding to like, I'm again, I'm 15 years old. And just so people don't think we're ignoring the last 10 years, it was just on and off panic attacks. It was stuff that came up a little more sometimes and a little less others. I definitely had what I now know was generalized anxiety disorder, although that wouldn't be diagnosed for a while. I was just an anxious and highly stressed kid, always on edge, very paranoid. And that was just me, though, I thought that's just who I was. I can't share this. This is something that happens to me got to keep it quiet. So now at 15, though, I'm feeling something different. And it was something I'll describe, but it was a different thing that I had than I had ever felt in 10 years. And I knew I was kind of an anxious guy. At this point, my school system had talked about the word anxiety. It wasn't like we were in complete ignorance to this. I did not have the comprehension to understand the clinical aspects of this. I just thought that was part of it. I still didn't know what a panic attack was. And to me, I used the word crazy, unfortunately. That's what I thought was wrong with me because to me, it had to be crazy to have these bursts for 10 to 20 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes, whatever, where I think I'm going to die. I never do. And then I still believe it the next time. That seemed crazy to me. When I'm feeling this new sensation for the first time, I go online and I get the three results and the first one's anxiety. <laughs> okay, well, I'm kind of smiling right now if you're on audio and I'm not laughing at it. There's nothing funny about that, but I'm laughing at the irony. Like, okay, I knew I was an anxious guy, nothing new there. Go to the second option. I pushed that right away. And the second one was major depressive disorder. Okay, believe it or not, that was my answer. Test actually did pretty damn good so far, to be straight up. But I didn't know what depression was. At the time, from my limited 15-year-old perspective, I was under the impression that depression was basically three things. People who uh, withdrew from friends and family, people who like stopped doing the things that they loved, and people who laid in bed all day or cried their eyes out uncontrollably. I, certainly, uh, depression could be any or all of those things, but it doesn't have to be any of those things. No one ever told me that depression could be the young guy who is very angry and irritable all of the time. And yes, most teenagers are moody, but I mean, every minute of every day, there is always a problem. I am set off by things that just should not set someone off. I do think it was abnormal. I do think a parent would probably be able to notice this if they had another sibling of a similar age to reference it to. Uh, that was assumingly not dealing with mental health issues, correct? 
I thought, so I, I like, I have this impression of depression. I'm, I'm not realizing that it can be anger and irritability. I'm not realizing that it can be emotional numbness. This is such a big difference for people to understand versus sadness. Numbness is not sadness necessarily. And depression can be sadness. I felt as if I didn't feel anything sometimes. And it was just like something good would happen. Eh, something bad would happen. Whatever. It, it was numb. That's the only way I can describe it mixed with these bursts of anger. So we could spend all day getting into all the symptoms and what they mean. But I had a list of symptoms that I know would meet the clinical diagnosis as it did years later. But I didn't know that. So I went on to that third option and I pushed depression just to, uh, just as quickly away as I did anxiety because I'm like, I'm not depressed. I don't cry my eyes out. And guys, I'm not going to get into this on this show. And not that this is a laughing matter, but Zavi, you might be able to appreciate this. Like I got antisocial personality disorder on this dang test. And so for those that are unaware, that's like the uh, broader diagnosis that psychopathy and sociopathy falls under. So psychopaths can be those people that you see in criminal minds or law and order SVU that have zero empathy for anyone else. And unfortunately, they don't typically use that for good. Um, it's not a great thing to have in a modern society, or probably, well, maybe like a primitive society would have helped you out, but not a modern one, that's for sure. And so I spent the next two, three years thinking that I was a budding psychopath. Now, newsflash, if you're worried about that, congratulations, you are not one because there has never been a psychopath ever that gives a crap about being a psychopath. You know, they don't care about that. I didn't know that though then. And now this became a thing of going back to the invalidation. I am getting somewhere with this. I felt invalidated as a kid. That was the, it was a key into the lock, turned it, threw it in the river. Because now it's not only I can't talk to people about this stuff. Now it's, I'm a psychopath. I can't share that with other people. They're going to be like, well, I'm never talking to this guy again. And I get how ridiculous this can sound, especially since I'm coming in in the beginning, claiming to be a reasonably intelligent individual at a young age. Well, guys, when you are suffering for this long and you're just desperate for answers, yeah, you can come up with some things that really don't make a lot of sense. Yeah, the familiarity uh, when you're in a position of trying to figure this out for yourself and, and the spectrum by which you have to reference what's going on inside of you. Uh, very challenging for somebody who is growing up in this position and in the midst of trying to figure it out, wherein you have doctors and you have conventional paradigm uh, kind of philosophy telling you that you're this or that or the other, or you'll outgrow it. Yeah, I can absolutely uh, resonate and uh, empathetically connect to the fact that that's uh, fucking challenging, man, really, really hard. Um, and so as you were going through these uh, moments of trying to figure it out, whether it was major depressive disorder, anxiety disorder, or antisocial disorder, right, as you said, um, what kind of started this movement towards... Uh, some greater resolution around the issue. Um, was there any aha moment that you uh, kind of alluded to in the beginning that uh, was the culmination of this journey? Yeah, yeah. And I appreciate you asking that because it's a really, it's essential to understand the transition and how it happened relatively quickly compared to how long the journey was. When depression kicked in, uh, you might recall guys that was about 15 years old. Now, I was very averse to using substances, even alcohol as a kid, even though I saw my friends starting to use these things because I was an anxious guy. I was 
anxious about being out of control. To me, my whole fear was being out of control my whole life with these panic attacks. Now I'm seeing these idiots walk around and get drunk and voluntarily make themselves out of control. <laughs> uh, that didn't seem fun to me, right? And so I was very averse to this. And then depression kicked in. Forget about it. Now Ev is not Ev anymore. I'm a different person. I have different impulses and I have different thoughts. That's just how I can describe it. Very quickly, uh, the use of drugs became a reasonable decision in my mind. I wanted to feel something other than numb. Now, I'm the last person in my friend group to ever try a drug, including marijuana, including alcohol, last person. But I'm very quickly the one with the biggest problem because I'm the one hiding unresolved mental health issues with it. And so now I'm the one who is using stuff daily. I'm the one who goes out and figures, wait a second, if I'm already doing illegal stuff, like I can go buy Xanax off the market. Like I looked up that and figured out what that was. That requires more context, but I'm, we're not here, you know, for the full, full thing today. And I'm, I'm illegally purchasing this anti-anxiety medication. No one in my friend group's doing that. That's Ev. So very quickly, this progression happened. And this led to actually a year and a half, about two years even, of daily drug abuse in high school to the point where I started selling weed myself to support my drug habit because I could not even come close to keeping up with the amount of money I was spending on the things I was using. I always like to bring it back and just say like, yeah, what happened to that really nerdy kid, little straight A student, teacher's pet, you know, telling on you if you did something wrong when the teacher left the room to now I'm from uh, Bucks County, Pennsylvania, driving down to like inner parts of the city sometimes to get cheaper prices because I was so desperate to make money to just be able to afford to get high every day. And what occurred is this, um, it, you know, as adults listening, because I would assume it's mostly adults, we can probably understand how these stories end. A, a child might not be able to, but adults, we've seen this when someone's using drugs daily and selling drugs or whatever. It ends in one of three ways. You end up losing your friends, family, your freedom, or your life, or all three of those things. Now, I didn't lose my life. Obviously, I'm here today, but I did lose my uh, freedom. I did lose the respect of the people I had in my life for a very long time, some people permanently, unfortunately. And that led to that aha moment, or that uh, came from that aha moment, I should say. So I'm in my senior year of high school, and it's 17 days in, and this matters for a reason. I'm getting specific for a reason. I'm two weeks away from my 18th birthday. I'm a September birthday. So you guys probably know this, especially on a big birthday, like 18, 21, 30, however you old, how old you are watching this. What do people do when they know your birthday's coming up? If I was like, you know, if I'm best friends with Zavi and we're hanging out, I'm like, yo, Zavi, man, two weeks away, buddy. Oh, yo, one week left. People are hyping you up. Someone said to me, hey, man, two weeks away. That scared the hell out of me because I referenced before Criminal Minds on Order SVU. I referenced them because I love those shows. And I remembered watching these things and seeing cases of like um, them explaining, even though it's fictional, whatever, it's still relevant for the story. Um, people would turn 18 and they'd be legal adults. And all I knew is you got in a lot more trouble for doing the same thing as an adult than you did as a kid. Not that you would be particularly um, in great shape doing what I was doing, but I knew driving around blacked out on pills, um, selling weed, that's not going to go so well at 18. So I said I needed to quit. And I meant that. Well, I only made it 36 hours. Once again, I'm out here thinking that I need to do this alone, even though every single person in my life is trying to help me out. So at that 36 hour mark, or I should say at the 30 hour mark, and then for the next six hours, I started feeling a type of way that I had never felt before. 
I was in class that day and I'd get nauseous one second. I'd be super angry the next. Next minute, I might feel like I'm about to cry. I actually, I was 150 pounds, six feet tall at that time. My buddy Will, I probably shouldn't, well, it doesn't matter. He wouldn't care. Uh, he's about 230 at the time, a little couple of inches taller. And this is like the nicest guy in the world. And I was going to fight him after school because of the things that I was saying. Like, I was out of my mind. And he never showed up. Not because he was scared of me, but probably he's like, this idiot. Like, what am I going to do? Like, hit him with one punch and he's out? Like, I think he was just being nice that day. But anyway, I left school and I didn't know what was wrong. I didn't understand the implications of not using drugs, cold turkey like that. And then also having to just deal with the things that happened in my life over that period of time. I'm now failing school. My relationships are terrible. My physical health is poor. And I just stacked on my, my year and a half. I'm still not getting treated for mental health issues that I've had for over a decade. So it's just getting worse and worse. All of that came in at once through sober eyes. Not good. Not good. I leave school and um, I think I might have already said this. And if I uh, did, it just shows you that I, I am uncomfortable sharing it, but I choose to do it. Uh, the story I'm about to share embarrasses me. It's one that I don't particularly like, but I think I need people to understand how important it is to get help for our mental health issues if we're suffering in silence. I leave school. I'm supposed to be heading um, home and I never made it home that day. I got about three minutes down the highway and out of the right of my eye, the corner of the right side of my eye, I see a school bus on the other lane of the highway. And out of the back of that bus are two kids, about a grade or two younger than me, and they are flipping me the middle finger. It is a joke. It is a prank. I'm in a car. They don't even know I'm a student. And again, we don't know each other. The only way I can describe this is that it was as if Every single thing that I was experiencing in that day and for the last 10 plus years got taken out into that moment. I lost it and I followed the bus. I experienced what um, is called an adrenaline blackout. And so I don't remember the next 30 minutes of my life. And so I have to fast forward to about two and a half weeks later, and I'm now sitting in the superintendent of my school district's office with himself, my parents, and my guidance counselor. This guy gives me one chance to tell my story and explain why I thought what I did two and a half weeks ago was an okay thing to be doing. Now, I had gotten in trouble. I understood the basics of what happened, but I didn't want to say to them that, oh, sorry, I don't remember I blacked out and I wasn't on drugs. I had no idea what could cause that. I thought I was crazy. So I tell the best version of the story that I could. And after I'm done, he just kind of lets me go. doesn't really interrupt. It was like something out of a movie. I mean, it was just silent in the room. You know, the guidance counselor and house principal are just kind of like looking around, looking down. Superintendent is just looking at me and just says, okay. And he goes to the table. This is an air conditioner remote, if you're on video, but he grabbed it's good representation. He grabbed a PowerPoint clicker. I swear to God, this guy clicks the button and a projector screen drops out of the ceiling. And I'm starting to realize what's about to happen. This guy has a video of this somehow. A cell phone video of the incident that I just lied about starts playing in front of all of these people and my parents. And I will just put it this way. That video did not match up very closely at all to what I had said happened. And it was a lot worse than what I ever thought happened. 
I had driven my car, a little black sedan, over the sidewalk and onto the lawn of some random person's house in the middle of this neighborhood. The kids had gotten dropped off and they didn't tell the bus driver because they didn't want to get in trouble for flipping someone off. So they get dropped off. I am out of the car. My front door is wide open. And there is a large group of people that are now surrounding this. There's multiple people taking videos. I make eye contact with them at some point and I just didn't remember that that happened. Over my time of selling, I had gotten robbed uh, a couple times. I think people understood that I was not there to fight. And even if I was, what was someone like me going to do? I just wasn't an intimidating character at that time. I don't consider myself particularly intimidating now. <laughs> um, and so I started carrying around a stun gun. And so for those that don't know, because it's a, it's a confusing name, it's not the one that shoots out. Stun gun is like the one that you have to actually press on someone's skin to be effective. I have this thing in my hand. And I am red in the face, I'm screaming. I am yelling at the top of my lungs, saying thing I things I would never repeat on a podcast, and threatening to, I'll just say, hurt these kids for flipping me off as a joke 20, 25 minutes before. The only thing that's going through my head in that moment is, wow, there is something really wrong with you and you deserve everything that's going to happen. I would love to be here today and be able to tell you that that was the aha moment. Um, it wasn't. That led to me getting smarter with my drug abuse. It led me to feelings of despair I had never felt and shame. And I, that was the closest I had ever been to taking my own life. I'm on probation and over the next three and a half months, and that matters for a reason, uh, things are not good. You know, I'm on some of the worst drug binges I had ever been on. I'm not going to teach people how to do this on a podcast by any means, but I learned how to fake the drug test. I was out of control. I mean, I was living an insane and stupid life. New Year's Eve of that year, because remember this happened in September, I convinced my parents and probation officer I should be allowed out. Now, they weren't that stupid. <laughs> but they said, all right, they thought I was doing good. Because remember, every single stage, I'm getting better at hiding. So they say, all right, we'll reward you with that. But here's the contingencies. You're going to get dropped off by mom and dad. And you're going to get picked up by mom and dad right at 12 o'clock. So I'm 18. I say, okay, that sucks. But it's better than sitting at home all night by myself. <laughs> so I get dropped off. And 10 minutes in, I'm drinking and doing drugs. 12 o'clock, my girlfriend and I get picked up. This was a girl I had been with for a few years. It was the first serious person I had ever been with. I loved this person so much. It wasn't even funny. I don't care what people say. I don't know if you've experienced that in high school, anyone. Uh, that was real for me. This was the person I thought I was going to marry, bar none. I told her that at one point. But I didn't really treat her as if we were going to get married. And so we get picked up that night. And I had convinced her to do the same things that I did. Well, not that this is a skill you want to have, but... I was uh, decent at handling myself. Her 105 pound self, soaking wet, not so much. So 30 seconds into the car ride, I mean that literally, it was actually about 30 seconds. She's repeating full sentences to my parents and I'm looking out the window, nauseous and just saying, I am going to jail tonight. <laughs> They're so mad, my parents, 
they stop the car. They turn around and they start yelling at her. They're not even looking at me because they didn't believe I could be so stupid as to actually be drunk and high on probation while getting actively urine tested on New Year's Eve. So they're freaking out at her and every single sentence just kind of tore me up because I knew it wasn't the truth. How could you do this? Oh, you couldn't go one night being sober? What's the matter with you? You know how well Evan's doing right now. You couldn't be there for him tonight to support him? What if his probation officer's there when we get back? He could go to jail for something that you did. Behind this mask of this wannabe hard guy, drug dealer going down to the inner city uh, was a coward. And someone who was really scared and didn't know what was happening in his life. And so even though it hurt as she was getting torn apart, I didn't have the guts to speak up and say anything. I just let her take it. And this girl loved me right back. And so she didn't say anything either. And you would think the only things out of my mouth when we got home would have been, thank you so much for not getting me sent to jail tonight because four or five words out of your mouth would have ended in that happening. I had no sense of personal responsibility for my life at all. I started freaking out at her, degrading her and calling her names, again, saying things I wouldn't say on a podcast for getting caught. That's where my mind was at the time. This poor girl bawled her eyes out for well over an hour. Uh, we both fall asleep. I wake up in the morning and she's gone. Now, I don't know if it was just that because teenage love is a powerful thing. Love's a powerful thing in general, right? <laughs> I don't know if it was that in addition to everything else, but that's what I call my aha moment. Because I sat there in bed that morning. I had a headache, but I'm sober. And my self-awareness came back like I ran into a brick wall. And I just understood how stupid everything I was doing in my life was. I'm looking around, I'm thinking, dude, what is the plan? You got two paths right now. You can go down, it's like a fork in the road, right? You can go down either one. One ends in death, one ends in jail. Which one are you gonna pick? And I knew something needed to change. And I'm looking at this girl and I'm realizing this person loves me. It's kind of a, a serious moment, but it is always a funny thing I say. This girl was so far out of my league, not that that's saying much, it's not even funny. I mean, she had options, man. She could have went around to anyone she wanted to. And I'm still just treating her so bad. I'm the laughing stock of my school. Everyone there thinks I'm crazy. And she stuck with me through all that. And that's how I'm gonna treat her for something I convinced her to do. And then that opened up my horizons, as painful as that was, to realize, oh, wait a second, dude. This isn't Evan Transu and his mental health issues anymore. It's not even Evan Transu, his mental health issues, and his girlfriend. It's Evan Transu, his mental health issues, and every single person in my life because I am not willing to get help. I'm bringing everyone down. I'm hurting everyone. Everyone's worried. If I cannot change for me, I need to be able to change for these people because they rock. That was it. I'm not saying this isn't a process of two steps forward, one step back. Give yourself some grace if you're starting this journey. But it was two steps forward consistently and one step back. And eventually that leads you to the right place because you're constantly going more uh, in the right direction than you are in the wrong. You're not going to change that completely overnight, but you can do that. 
And so a little call to action today, please, for anyone listening. And this is the same thing that I would do in a school. I got no problem doing on a podcast. If you are listening to this today and you are one of these people who you know you are dealing with mental health issues, either one, completely in silence, or two, you're grossly underplaying it to the people in your life, your therapist, or even yourself, please make this the last day that you are doing this by yourself. Pause this, wait till it's over, whatever you gotta do, but today, start the conversation, reach out to a friend, reach out to a counselor, reach out to a doctor, I don't care, just start that conversation please. This stuff does not get better. And I'm not saying that to be pessimistic. It does not get better by itself. It's not magic. We need to be intentional. And so it's so funny to me, as much as that day hurt and losing this person uh, really hurt. It's so incredible to think that someone that special in my life still left one more gift before she went. And that was, hey, I'm going to be the whole reason your life changes and you get this thing figured out. Without her, and without that incident, never would have been doing any of the things that I'm doing. Yeah, brother, first and foremost, thank you for sharing the depths of that and the intensity of that journey. And shit, if that's an aha moment or if I've ever heard one, that's it, right? Um, really, really powerful stuff. And taking that alchemy and, and taking the challenge of what you've been dealt, uh, mm -hmm. I consider every obstacle a gift in a way. And, and alchemizing that into a new opportunity that now has manifest as this uh, beautiful pursuit that you're in the midst of. Uh, it's just admirable. It's very, very deep and it's very powerful. And thank you for that call to action. I'll emphasize it twice. If you're somebody that's struggling with mental health issues, uh, consult somebody who cares and somebody who can help. Uh, sometimes the people who are closest to us can assist, but it takes a skilled professional at times to assist you back into balance. Um, whether that be a combination of psychotherapy, uh, conventional medicine doctors, or even uh, holistic practitioners, who knows, but that choice is up to you. And um, especially for men at this time in the world, and especially for uh, young men as you were, the challenge of navigating mental health issues is incredibly, incredibly deep. Um, something that uh, I worked on for many, many years with the therapist and that was, um, deeply helpful. I have a community of people that I can reach out to when uh, emotions or challenges or anxiety comes up. And the support system is absolutely key. So Ev, thanks for driving that home and, and bringing that full circle for everybody. And thank you absolutely, for sharing me there. Um, so this aha moment, it goes down. You wake up without your girlfriend and you're like, oh shit, if I can bring everybody down, I can bring everybody up, right? And if I'm not going to do it for myself, I need to do it for the people in my life because they rock. Uh, powerful. What was the next step after that? stopping using drugs. I'm like, this is, I, I didn't know what to add in, but I definitely knew what to take out. I'm like this can, I'm on probation getting drug tested. Stop. Like this has to stop. And so I did. And I also, my next step was after that was asking for help. I was assigned two different counselors in addition to my probation officer on probation. Now I never talked to these guys about anything that was going on for real. And for the first time I went into the next session and just said, you know what, man, like, this is what's good. I, I don't know what's going on. I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with me. I know it's something with mental health, which, you know, it's so funny how we live in like our own delusion, thinking that no one else knows what's going on. It's like, it was so painfully obvious to everyone that I'm dealing with mental health issues. I'm the one 
you know, by not acknowledging it, trying to live in this false reality of, oh yeah, no one knows, no one knows. No, everyone knows, dude. You don't do what I did without severe mental health issues being untreated. And so I'm talking to these guys for the first time, uh, specifically a guy named Brian. And I remember how powerful that was because he was validating my experiences and explaining to me that what I called crazy was actually a panic attack. What I called numbness and lack of emotions. And this is why I thought I was a psychopath because one of the symptoms is not having empathy. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've lost my empathy. I don't really feel that. Well, I didn't also think about that I had empathy at one point and that I felt like I lost all my emotions. I just, I was kind of, uh, what do you call that? Cherry picking to put it into the right box so that it made sense so that I could have some clarity. So he's like, dude, you're not a psychopath, man. Like that sounds a lot like major depressive disorder and people think it's, uh, think it's sadness all the time, but it can be emotional numbness as well. And in like one 40 minute conversation, not that this guy was qualified to diagnose, I did get proper diagnoses afterwards and certainly he was correct. It was like, oh, so I didn't really need to be doing this for 13 years because I'm not crazy. There's not something untreatable about me or permanently wrong. I have conditions that a lot of people deal with, but they don't talk about it. We see all the kids with the broken arm or broken leg in school when we're in middle school, high school, elementary school too. Uh, we don't see always the kids that are suffering in silence. In fact, they can sometimes look like the most normal or they can look like me, the kid that doesn't give a crap. Oh, he's too cool for school. He's selling drugs, man. Wow. Like he's just living that lifestyle. No, I didn't want to be doing any of that. I hated that. I, I was a nerd. I wanted to study. <laughs> I wanted to learn about the stuff I wanted to learn about. I just, I had to hide it. So those were the biggest couple of steps. And then, well, I'll stop there. That, that Those were the first two steps. Yeah, thank you for that, man. Um, first and foremost, stopping the drug use, finding help uh, and bringing some clarity to this, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I think <laughs> one of the things that's been really helpful for me in retrospect of my personal journey around um, I, I won't ever describe it as severe mental health issues, but um, mental health issues associated with uh, unresolved emotional uh, traumas, right, sure. is working with that therapist that I worked with uh, and, and working with many, many practitioners over the years and having them validate my experience. It's like, what? yeah, with everything you've gone through, that sounds like a pretty normal response. I'd be angry too, right? Um. Thank you for that affirmation. It's something that we can all bring home to ourselves, especially in the realm of communication is uh, something that Evan just described here. Rather than suffering in silence, he used his voice to speak out and ask for help. And when it comes to mental health and the, the link to communication, how often we try to suffer in silence out of a fear and shame, uh, guilt that comes up around these emotions and our inability to navigate them. So using the voice to speak that into existence, ask for help, and put it all on the table is, is such a relief at times. So uh, thank you for that, Ev. That's, that's really beautiful. Now, um, dovetailing and taking this next step, obviously you've made this leap and you know we're skipping ahead a little bit here to becoming a motivational speaker and to reflecting on the story and helping uh, young folks in schools and college freshmen uh, really navigate this experience that I'm sure a lot of them are struggling with. So reflect on that experience a little bit. Um, you know, through this transformation after those first two steps of getting clean and asking for help, uh, what what brought you to this? What brought you to your profession as it stands now? Yeah, and I know um, I want to obviously be respectful of both your time and the listener's time. I'm good. I, I mean, we can go as long as we need to, but I'll summarize it. If anything doesn't make sense, please let me know. 
after about, well, I know exactly when it was. It was three months and like 14 days. It was March 14th of 2014 after, because this was a powerful day for me, after this New Year's thing happened that I got some great people in my life. And so I'm a ba- I love the quote that says, you know, when we make a decision, a powerful decision, the whole universe conspires to make it happen. I'm, I'm a big believer in that nowadays. And I made this decision that I wanted to be better. I wanted to live a good life. I wanted to not be where I was at. I had no idea how I was going to get there, but I knew that's what I wanted. And how that looked was just like going to, uh, I got my GED. I enrolled in a local community college and that wasn't going so well, but I mean, at least I was showing up most of the time and doing my thing. And then I got invited to come to this sales company. And yes, it was a multi-level marketing company, network marketing type of thing. Uh, people can have whatever thoughts they want about that. That's not really what I'm here for. I'm not in a MLM anymore anyway. However, MLMs almost universally are very big on promoting personal development. And so I got out to one of these meetings. This guy finally convinced me after three times. So thank God for Eli, man, just being consistent and following up because I don't, I have no idea what my life would have been like if I hadn't gotten invited to that. It would have taken so much longer to do what I'm doing now. And so I get to this thing and my mind's blown. I'm around like 15 other young adults, all like a few years older than me, like 21, 22, but all young adults nonetheless that are just talking a way I've never heard anyone talk, let alone people our age. They're talking about goal setting. They're talking about the books that they're reading, the dreams that they have, the impact that they want to make on the world. I remember this wasn't on the first day, but they had a rule that if someone started speaking negatively about someone who wasn't present, they very politely would just put their finger up to their mouth and just kind of go, shh. And that was a symbol of, hey, like, listen, you're engaging in gossip by accident, not positive gossip. So let's bring that back and let's not do that. Who the heck do you know does that? <laughs> I was like, who are you guys? Like, this is amazing. And I just knew I was in the right place. And so I got into this sales company and it actually served two purposes for my life. It's, it definitely was supposed to happen. It was a very high potency organic multivitamin. Now, I didn't give a crap about that. <laughs> I just wanted to be in the sales company around cool people, maybe make some money and hopefully better my life. But I'm drinking this stuff constantly because we're doing all these events. And I noticed over the course of several months, my anxiety was like there, but it was much better. And my depression was pretty much non-existent. And so, and I had better energy levels. Everything just kind of felt good. I felt happy for the first time. And so I attributed that to the new group. Well, it turns out, you know, the sales company kind of fell apart and I still kept the friends. So I had the group, but the company wasn't there. And so I stopped consuming the products. And within a very short period of time, depression came back and I was anxious again and I had low energy. And so I had these two profound things happen in this company where one, I saw that these products in this environment was helping me. And so my buddy, uh, Ben Torres, you might know him, Zavi, uh, through Graham and stuff, he made me speak one day. And it was the first time in my life I got to speak on something that I wanted to speak about because these things were helping me and this company was bettering my life. I knew I wanted to be a speaker. And then the second thing was I realized when the group was still present for me, but the products weren't there and the mental health issues came back, I had this thought, I didn't know this term at the time, but... I was like, is it possible that nutraceuticals can lead to betterings uh, or bettering of mental health issues? That was a rabbit hole that I still have not stopped going down. (laughs) Um, And so that company served two major purposes for me, uh, for sure. Really beautiful, man. And uh, cool, the link there between Ben and, you know, the crew as it were. Um, And so as you, you have this realization, just in the final few minutes here, 
I want to be a motivational speaker. And I've discovered that there's a link between my mental health and health and wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you have your interest here on the side of um, health coaching, something that you've done before and something that I'm sure you do. Uh, still, with that said, what are some of these tips and tricks that you could share with the audience for those who are perhaps in a state of silent suffering? Very simple tips and tricks to implement at home to potentially create some ground or some energy of, of forward growth and the ability to have a remedial experience of mental health issues. Absolutely. And so real quick, I'll say, because I think we've already done a good job of this for anyone listening, the nowadays, at least the motivational speaking for me to students is separate from the natural health stuff. I don't come in and talk about natural health. I don't come in and talk about spirituality or anything like that. The first part of this podcast is exactly the presentation, just in a much more summarized version. And we're bringing them to that aha moment to ask for help for whatever that might look like for them. You know, so it's never really about like, oh, you need to eat this or that. Now, with that said, yes, Zavi's correct. This is a major part of my life because in the world of non-circumstantial mental health issues, I believe nutrition, lifestyle, all these things matter a lot more than we think. If they didn't, then what would be causing it? Because there's no circumstances. So you either think that you're just destined to this genetic fate of, oh, I can't do anything about it. I don't believe that. I believe in epigenetics. I I believe that this makes sense. And to get the right genetic expression, we have to know what we're doing to our bodies and what works for our individual bodies. And so some of the basics that I think we could start with, and I can get super technical as Avi knows, but that's not what we're here to do today. Let's just start with the fundamentals and see how those work for you. And then you can get a little more deep if you'd like to. One of the fundamentals is, guys, holy cow, just eat organic for 30 days. And Zabi, I mean, hey, you and I just talked about when I was interviewing you. That did not work for all of your health issues. It's pretty undeniable that someone eating same exact things, but all organic versus not, you're lowering the toxic load. Naturally, there's certain ingredients that just can't be involved in organic products that are allowed to be put in con- conventional, quote unquote, products. You're going to help the body to some degree. It worked for me. It helped out greatly. I would even say, not that I want to put one particular diet on people, but I, I would consider uh, more of a paleo-based one, just because generally that is going to you know, probably have less inflammation uh, or cause less inflammatory responses in the body than some of these other things. Just hear me out on that. I'm someone who's come from a vegan background at one point. I promise you, I see this happen more often with paleo. And that's why at the most extreme sense, you might've heard of people going carnivore and having their mental health issues resolved. I'm not saying do that long-term necessarily. I'm saying there's a larger conversation here about there are certain things that are more common for human beings to react to when we become sick. And it turns out a lot of those things are usually plant foods as opposed to animal products. Does it happen with dairy? Does it happen with eggs? Yes, it does. I'm just saying it happens more often with the rices of the world, the gluten, um, than it does, you know, maybe beef or chicken. I've seen that pretty across the board. Another thing that I'm super passionate about, and this never gets talked about, even oftentimes in the holistic space, I'm like, are you guys not reading this? Like, what is going on? Is circadian biology and optimizing our circadian rhythm. And this could be so easily adopted in our lives, even easier than changing our diets, I believe, but we just don't know what we don't know. And so I started catching sunrise every single day. We don't, again, we don't really have time to get into the science behind this. So maybe I can send some information over after Zavi, just so we can validate what's being said here. Cause I understand yeah, this could definitely. sound, yeah, this could sound new to people. So if I'm not going to reference every study, that's fair enough. I'm not a doctor. Um, 
catching sunrise every day with your bare eyes, no contacts, no sunglasses, no uh, regular prescription glasses, and as much skin exposed as possible is actually going to set the foundation for your day. It's going to help you create melatonin at night, assuming that you're actually in darkness at night, because many people are still uh, you know, doused with uh, you know, artificial lights and blue light and those types of things. So that's an important thing. But it also triggers your body to get the systems running. It tells it, all right, when do we have to be at peak performance cognitively? When do we have to be at peak performance physically? These things actually run on what you may have heard of as a circadian rhythm. Now, that's not a 24-hour cycle. It's about 24 hours and like 15 minutes roughly. And, you know, so it's not perfect, but it's pretty damn close. And there are certain things that are supposed to be happening at all different parts of the circadian rhythm. The issue is when we live our lives sleeping in super late or eight, waking up at eight or 9 a.m. and the first things that we see every day are actually like our phones, which trick our body into thinking it's the middle of the day because of how bright it is. Well, we have set our entire generation up and the younger generation, and now we're even affecting the older people too. You can see this in them, even though they probably had it better as kids. A human being with a dysfunctional circadian rhythm is on a one-way ticket plane to chronic disease, whether physical, mental, or both. You are not going to beat that. It is going to happen given enough time. And so our generation, and again, the younger one, has literally been brought into this. Um, at least I didn't get a damn phone until like 12 years old. Now kids got iPhones at five years old, and it's addicting. It's very addicting, and it's destroying their brains. So I live a life where... I catch sunrise every day, like I said. I get outside as much as possible. I filter things. That's why I apologize today. Like, my lighting's not really the best. You know, it makes me look like, oh my gosh, like ghost white in the video, kind of. But I don't have any artificial lights on. Um, I have the natural light going. I got the windows open and stuff. And so I actually let that natural light in. And then I'm also I'm trying to look for an example. I'm also very careful at night. I only use uh, red light and I wear special glasses to filter out the parts of the light spectrum that have been scientifically proven to get you going and, and get you awake, you know, make you feel like you need to be awake and suppress melatonin. This is science. That's why I can't understand some of this stuff. This is science, clear as day science. Why we're not implementing it immediately in Western medicine, I'm not sure. But for the basics, yes, it's get a better diet. Just try the organic thing. If you want to be an overachiever, organic paleo for 30 days, you tell me if you want to go back. And also with that being said, try catching the sunrise thing. Don't worry about all the other complications of like the blocking blue light and getting out in the middle of the day. 30 minutes at sunrise for 30 days, even if it's raining, throw a jacket on. We have umbrellas. It's amazing. I don't, I don't know if people are aware of these inventions. I always hear uh, people talk about, well, what do I do if it's raining? It is called a jacket. Like, you know, like a nice jacket or a good umbrella or just open the window and watch from there. I promise you you will be okay. Like our ancestors lived in that for a very long time. It's kind of cool actually after a while. Um, do that for 30 days, do the food thing for 30 days. And again, let me know if you ever want to go back. You can shoot me an email. <laughs> I love it, brother. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for sharing all this wisdom and uh, breaking it down with me. Um, I'm going to link in the show notes to all the avenues in which people can go find out more about what you do as a motivational speaker. In the meantime, uh, anything that you want to plug or anything that you want to let the listeners know before we go today? 
No, Zavi, just thank you so much. Well, yes, I don't know why I said no, but thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate that and just getting another opportunity to share this story with people. Hopefully it helps. But the biggest one I'd appreciate, guys, I mean, I have evantransu.com. That's where bookings can be done and stuff. Um, I actually have a podcast called the Friday Mental Health Power Hour. Uh, it's Friday at the time of recording this. I'm going down to the city in a few hours with my buddy Scotty P. Inspiration. He's also a motivational speaker. And we do a live radio show in the greater Philadelphia and southwest New Jersey area um, every Friday from 5 to six and we save it as a podcast all about mental health and then finally the biggest one is i'm like regrowing i'm starting from square one at the time of recording this with my instagram which was kind of a risky move but there was just too much confusion on the other one about health stuff so that's private now and now this one's all about mental health i'd greatly appreciate any support that i can get there it's at evan underscore transu that's simple Ev, thank you so much for joining me today, brother. Very, very stoked for all the information you shared. And thank you for opening up on your journey. Uh, we will be in touch. And for all the stokers out there who want to learn more, check out the show notes to check out Ev and all of the cool things he's doing in the world. So Ev, thank you, brother. Thanks again for having me, man. Cheers.